We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Feel the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I'm blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up in here. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Darrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Feel the 68. After dark. It's the Field of 68 After Dark Thursday, February 15th edition. We got John Henson. We got Kevin Sweeney in the building. My name is Greg Waddell. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, it's a big weekend in college basketball coming up. We're going to get you prepared. Everything you need to know, we got you covered tonight. But there was a lot in action tonight as well on Thursday night. Uh, We're going to get to it all. Minnesota, Purdue, Northwestern, Rutgers, Memphis, Florida, Atlantic, all around the horn. We have a college basketball tier list coming as well. And then we will preview the biggest games of this weekend. Gentlemen, it's good to see you both. Uh, Let's jump right into it. Purdue, Minnesota. Purdue survives an eight-point victory over the Golden Gophers. 84-76 is the final score. Zach Eady, 24 points, 15 rebounds. The best player in the country performed as the best player in the country should. Kevin Sweeney, what did you learn tonight from Purdue, Minnesota? Look, I think Minnesota was somewhat unique in the sense that we haven't seen a lot of teams try to single cover Zach Eady, right? I think they felt like if, if he beat them one-on-one, they were going to live with that, and they were going to try to outshoot Purdue. And they did in the first half. They couldn't keep it up for 40 minutes at Mackey. I thought it was a good performance overall by Minnesota. Um, I'm not sure at the end of the day if, if it's the right strategy uh, long-term, because I don't think a lot of teams have the shooting that Minnesota does. I mean, they are very, very dynamic uh, on the wings with you know Cam Christie and uh, uh, the Mitchell kid at guard has been really good. Hawkins has been great getting downhill. Like, like their guard play has been tremendous lately. I think it gave them some matchups in this game that were interesting. But for Purdue, I think probably good for them to get tested a little bit, get pushed, uh, have to hit that gear in the second half, and, and put away a, a decent Minnesota team that's been playing good basketball lately. 16-and-a-half-point favorites tonight. Ultimately, they win by eight points. That's just half of the point spread. John Henson, surprising or no? Um, a little bit surprising, but you know, like like we said, the, the strategy they use, hey, we're gonna try to one-on-one Edie, and and that's how you're gonna have to. Um, I've always held steady, and I still do that. Purdue will get to the Final Four, barring just a bad matchup. I, I don't think there are a lot of teams that are gonna be a bad match for them, but if they come across a team that can shoot the ball and hold their own defensively. That you know, I even look at a team like North Carolina. If Armando Baco can Baycock can hold his own a little bit and not just give Edie easy shots and they can trade twos for threes, that's how you beat this team. And in Minnesota, for the first half, the strategy worked. Purdue just kind of walked them down, out talented them, um, defended a little better in the second half. And and this game, even though it was a you know a seven point game, I mean down the stretch, Minnesota was in this game the whole time until the uh, very end. So. You know, they've got a good – they had a good strategy, and uh, it, it didn't come to fruition for them to win. But 
Purdue is probably one of the, if not the best team in the land. I think they got to be happy with this performance. I'm not saying they like more victories, but uh, they'll take this one on the road. Brayden Smith from Purdue finished with 16 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, nearly a triple double for Braden Smith. Uh, it's good to see him. He was on the Naismith watch list. He was not on the Koozie watch list, so not good enough for the final 10 point guards, but good enough for the final 20 players of the year. See, Braden Smith was there. Uh, the, my question is this. Uh, is, is there something matchup-wise with Minnesota where uh, Mitchell and Christie both combined for 27 points in this game, guys that I think can attack drop coverage in a way that maybe Purdue doesn't see every single game, but Minnesota was capable of bringing to the table in a, in a one-on-one matchup to keep this close. Is that something that other teams could replicate in March where you put Zach Eady in drop coverage and you feast on that? Sweeney, what do you think? Look, I think Hawkins' shiftiness is very reminiscent of a lot of the kind of mid-major guards that Purdue's had trouble with over the years, right? Like, he's able to get downhill, and then they space it so well that they can spray it to Christie, who moves great without the basketball. Uh, Mitchell, certainly, uh, even some of their other wings. I mean, they this Minnesota team can really shoot. And so, in some ways, that's a, that's a matchup that, you know, feels replicable for other teams. I think the thing that most teams in March won't have is they want to have the combination of that with really, you know, jumbo bigs. Like Farrell Payne is a big dude. You know, he's not Zach Eady big, but he is physically imposing. Mm-hmm. And they brought in Jack Wilson to give minutes. He's a former offensive lineman at Washington State who's had this, like, crazy journey to get to where he is and, you know, doesn't really play for Minnesota, but, you know, had a, had a, had a minute or two there in, in this game, right? Like, Minnesota, I think, is somewhat unique in that they have the small guards and they have the real bigs. But, um, look, I, I don't think today was some grandiose indictment on Purdue by any means. But I do think that if you're going to beat Purdue, it's going to involve guards making shots against drop coverage. And it's going to involve slowing down Braden Smith. And I think Minnesota did one of those tonight. They just didn't do both. Hanson did. Did you ever get hit with a guy who was just a football player who's like specially designed to give problems to John Henson? Did that happen? Um, I'm thinking back, you know, we, I would say like Michigan State, that was probably the most physical game I ever played in my whole, I mean, basketball career. They had Payne and Draymond Green down there. And they had the other big fella off the bench for his name. He was coming off the bench. And they were like, I mean, those were football guys, right? Like, they were built. They were strong. They rebounded. So, you know, I look down the road for this Purdue team. Like, that Rutgers matchup, it's going to be at Purdue. But Rutgers is another team that, matchup-wise, they can get Big Cliff down there, give Edie some problems. They've got the guard play. They attack. They can shoot a little bit. Um, So, you know, Minnesota had the right strategy. They just didn't have the right enough talent, right? They ran out of talent, you know, like we say. But that Rutgers game coming up is going to be very interesting because I know they're watching this film, and they have the size down there. Like a guy like Cliff, I would have hated to play against um, when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Big, physical, just strong, athletic, going to beat you up the whole game. So um, that's what's going to have to happen for this Purdue team, Purdue team probably to lose. But then again, there's only so many teams, and guess what? In the NCAA tournament, you've got to play one of those teams, and that might not happen. Yeah, yeah. Tough when you run out of talent, and uh, Kevin Sweeney's familiar with that. When he parallel parks in Chicago, sometimes he runs out of talent. Uh, <laughs> hey, We're doing this uh, well, it's early in the show, Sweeney. We'll see where we go. Uh, look, John mentioned uh, Cliff. Cliff will move to Rutgers and Northwestern tonight. Rutgers survived. 63-60 is the final score. Another Big Ten matchup here. Uh, Rutgers been significantly more serious as a contender with Jeremiah Williams in the lineup. He, he's he been really, really good. Six for 13 tonight. 15-5-5 and five for Jeremiah Williams. Cliff finishes with 9-9 nine and nine tonight. Uh, Northwestern, I love this Northwestern team. I think Bubui is one of the best guards in the country. 27 points. But just one assist tonight, that's not a coincidence with Ty Berry out of the lineup, his go-to guy. 
as a as a facilitator for Boo Booey. Uh, Sweeney, you you're well familiar with this Northwestern team. How significant is the Tyberry injury to this Northwestern team's hopes? Look, it's massive because not only is he an elite catch and shoot guy, but he has also been pretty excellent defensively on the ball. This is a Northwestern team that has not defended at a particularly great level. Obviously, last year it was their calling card. This year it's really been shot making, and he's been a great shot maker for them, and he's been their best perimeter defender. So that combination is scary. Um, the other thing that, that hurt them tonight in particular was Ryan Langborg got ejected early in the game on a really questionable call. Like, I, I could not believe. I mean, it was a classic, like, throwing elbows, trying to clear space, and he got the guy in the gut, and they said that it was a you know a flagrant two. I, I don't think I've ever seen a play like that be flagrant two unless it's so obviously egregious. It, look, I, I'm not like a talk about the refs guy, but I, I just like couldn't believe that call. And I thought it swung the game because, I mean, you mentioned Boo only had one assist. I mean, you look down the roster, who's he passing to once, once you lose Ryan Langford and Ty Berry? So, um, you know, a brutal one for Northwestern, a game they would have liked to have because, you know, this team has now lost five straight Big Ten road games. Their record away from Welsh Ryan Arena is not very good. They have that bad loss to Chicago State. They're not safe just yet. So this would have been a nice one to, to you know, start creeping towards locking up that NCAA tournament berth. But I mean, Rutgers is playing really good basketball right now. Um, you know, Williams has opened a lot of things up for them. It's made Derek Simpson's life a lot easier. Obviously, it's made Clips' life easier. They can play on more ball screens. Like, Rutgers is the team in the Big Ten right now that I don't think anyone really wants to see because they've got nothing to lose. They're playing free, and, and Williams has really changed their team. Yeah, certainly not at the rack. I can promise you that as a, <laughs> as a fan of a couple of different Big Ten teams. Uh, Derek Simpson, you mentioned him. Nine points, three rebounds, three assists. Those are his season averages on just 32% from the floor. Those are not numbers to get behind as like some breakout player. But when you add Jeremiah Williams and Cliff along to the conversation, like Rutgers has enough where I feel like early in the season, it was like, what is Derek Simpson going to do for us? Now it's like, oh, he's our third option. We have multiple guys who can go out and beat us. John, what are you seeing from Rutgers right now? I I love this Rutgers team. If, if you watch Rutgers, they kind of just walk you down. They stay in the game. They get down. They make their runs. There's a few times where you thought Northwestern would kind of maybe blow them away. Then all of a sudden, they just fight and claw back in. And and I can't stress how big of an impact the big fella Cliff has. I mean, when he went out with that anchor injury, if he didn't come back in, I think they, you know, that game doesn't go the way they think. You know, they don't win the game. So. They're, t- I like them like, they're like Iowa State to me, man. Like, no one really, like, you know, you see Iowa State on the jersey, you see Rutgers on the jersey, and you say, oh, you know, but then you get out there, and it's five minutes left in the game, you're down three, and they're locking you up, you can't get a shot off, big fellas banging down there, boarding things, you know, so Rutgers is a dangerous team, and, and tonight it showed, especially at the rack, um, it always seems when you watch a Rutgers game or just turn the Rutgers game on, it, it, the score may not indicate, you know, what's really going on. And all of a sudden, Rutgers finishes at the end because they defend. That's what they do. They defend. And when you defend at the level they do, you're going to be in games. And even, you know, with Northwestern, you know, they got the injuries. Uh, Boo Booey had to put the team on his back. He almost did and got the game. But, you know, playing guys 39 minutes, 36 minutes, 40, you know, he. I, I think they just ran out of gas, man. That's especially with this tough Big Ten stretch. He's going to have to find a way to get that bench going. I mean, I think they're like 288th or 380, something like that in bench production and minutes. Um, that's not a sustainable model. And as we see right now, they're in, but barely, right? Like, I, they, they've got to win some games. And with the Barry injury, it's going to be interesting down the stretch because I think him being out for the season, the committee will penalize them seating-wise regardless. Yeah. Yeah, it's heartbreaking for my Northwestern Wildcats, Boo Booey, my guy. Uh, It's just sad to see. He's been playing as well as many of the guards that are in the top five guards in the country, and here he is losing his his co-star in Ty Berry. Tough times. Let's move to the American. Uh, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, I want to just gut check both of these teams with you guys. Uh, Tonight, Memphis struggling? Uh, I mean, man, a 10-point loss to North Texas, not what you want to see from Penny Hardaway's group. 
Sweeney, your thoughts on the Memphis Tigers? Look, I, I just thought they came out flat today. I mean, North Texas is a good team. That's a road environment. Like, you have to understand when you're Memphis, like, like it's, ex- it's an exciting thing for a fan base like North Texas to get that game at home. And they came out firing. Jason Edwards was phenomenal. And I just didn't think Memphis met the moment. And, and for a team that's on the bubble, like, to me, that's unacceptable. So it's a bad loss. It, it makes things even tougher for them. Uh, I think they have to win this weekend at SMU if they want really any hope of being an at-large type team. Yeah, you don't want to see this. And Florida Atlantic, John, just quick thoughts on the Owls. 12-point win over Temple tonight. Have they separated themselves from Memphis in your eyes as the the like the champions in the uh, the American Conference? Relax, Greg. My USF Tampa Florida Bulls are at the top. You got to relax. Next Tuesday, oh. I'll be I should do a live. I should do a live field of sixty-eight screen from there. But nah, FAU. <laughs> I've actually watched them the last two games. Done a. I've actually really studied them just to see what's going on with them. When they want to play. They play. They can blow you out the water. When their backs are against the wall, they'll go make a run on you, and then they'll finish the game like they did tonight. They aren't really making the extra pass. They aren't playing as team-oriented as, I, as they were last year, and I think that's the separation why they're not who they are. And um, they've got to figure it out. They've got to come together as a team and uh, play how they were playing last year. They, they don't make the extra pass like they used to. There's a lot of, like, swing swings they didn't make today or kind of takes that they could have maybe dished out and um, – I think that's the only issue with FAU. If they get that figured out, they'll be fine. But when they're back against the wall, we see what they can do. I mean, overtime game. So, um, I like them. But USF Bulls at the top right now. We'll see next Tuesday who's going to be at the top. Wow. Pensive. We're going to diagnose this later in the show. Uh, Coming up, we are going to talk our college basketball tiers. Who's the title favorite? Who's the first-round exit? That's next on After Dark. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
back to the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Doster. Uh, Greg Waddell is uh, a little under the weather right now. Um, we're not going to go into details on what's happening. Nobody wants details on what is happening. That's not fun when people are, uh, yeah, stomach bugs are, are a pain. Anyway, uh, Rob Doster, John Henson, Kevin Sweeney here with me, and we are breaking down the title tiers in college basketball, fellas. This is uh, Rob, one of I'm my happy favorite. to see you, man. Hold on, man. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. We gotta, come on, man. This is like, this is, a, this is a crazy, like, sub. Like, what's up, man? You good? Everything good, man? Like, no, well, look, you, Henson. Know? Henson, the number one reason why I'm fired up to be on the show right now is because of something I know that is going to get asked in last call, and I cannot wait to have oh, this conversation with you in last call. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. It's going to be something else. And hey, for the for the people listening at home, sleep people listening on Sirius XM, I wore my Bayern Munich hat specifically because Henson told me it was, uh, I think you said it was fire the last time that I was on the show with you and I had it on. So I had Lost to make sure today. that I, I brought it back out. I, got, I had to bring it back out. Hey, no, talk, we're not talking about that, all right? We're not talking about Listen, we're going to get into the college basketball tiers. This is one of my favorite uh, exercises to do. Um we have four categories. We are calling them title favorites. We are calling them can see them in Phoenix. We are calling them should make the second weekend. And we are calling them the ones no one is really talking about. So uh, I basically have 16 teams here that we've listed out. And I want to just kind of walk through who you guys think are the best teams in college basketball, right? Because I feel like that's always a kind of a fun reset to have. Um, who can actually win it, who can actually win six games in the tournament, who can actually make it to Phoenix, who can actually win two games when they get to Phoenix. So let's start with this. Title favorites, Kevin Sweeney, Sports Illustrated, back-to-back -back nights. You've had to talk to me. I'm sorry about that. But who you got? Who are your title favorites? Who is in that tier that is the elite of the elite in college basketball this season? Look, I think Purdue and UConn have certainly separa separated themselves as title favorites. Like, I, I think there's – a lot of other teams that can be that good on certain nights. But from a consistency standpoint, to me, I, I would separate those as a tier to themselves because, you know, night in, night out, I think you know what you're getting with those teams. I think with, with Purdue, obviously, it's the point guard play uh, with, with Braden Smith, the dominance of E down low, the experience that they have. And then with UConn, I mean, Tristan Newton, um, you know, emerging as an All-American, the balance with Caravan as a shooter, Klingon dominating at the rim, um, the way that they've navigated injuries. I mean, to me, those two teams, if you were if you're making a bet of blank against the field, I'd want those two, and I think I'd take them over the field. Henson? I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with Sweeney on, on Purdue and UConn. I'm going to throw Houston there because, you know, they got three true – I mean, at Iowa State, tough place to play. And that, that loss by one point looks better and better every day. At TCU, they're struggling, but that's that's a team that that time they only lost by one point. I'm sorry, I would lost by four. TCU lost by one, and then at Kansas, where nobody wins in forever in, in history. So, I think you got to add Houston in there. They're, they defend. They have the athletes. Hard play, um, and now they're seasoned. We've seen a seasoned, you know, Houston that has been through the you know rigors of a Big Twelve schedule, and sitting at the top of the standings near the top it's going to be interesting to see now that they are battle tested what they do in a tournament and i got a funny feeling that it's only going to bowl well for them um so if i could add a team to purdue and uconn i would be houston maybe not as close um to the top as those two teams but houston is definitely on my championship um teams that could win a championship you know tier as you would call it so i i would put I think Purdue and UConn are – I'm going to be, like, picking nits here, and this is all just going to kind of be semantics, right? Uh, but I think Purdue and UConn are in the tier by themselves, and the reason I would phrase it like that is because I think that they are much more likely than Houston to be able to win it, and much more likely than a team like Arizona or Marquette or a North Carolina, right? Like, I think all of those teams are capable of being able to win six games. I just think that the difference between – what we've seen out of the top two in college basketball and what we've seen out of every, like everyone else has had a dip, right? We've seen Arizona have their dip when Kai Boswell wasn't playing well. We saw Marquette have their dip when uh, Tyler Kolick decided for like three games not to show up. Um, we've seen Houston struggle in games where the defense isn't able to completely take over. 
we just haven't seen that with with UConn, you know, outside of Donovan Klingon getting hurt. And we haven't seen that with Purdue outside of walking into Pinnacle Bank Arena. And like Pinnacle Bank Arena is Fog Allen on steroids. We all know this. So I think it's the it's the top two and then everybody else. Um, when it comes to we're talking about title favorites, man. We're talking semantics. And and I don't want to get yelled at by <laughs> by North Carolina fans, but we're talking semantics. All right. Give me your final four contenders, teams that you would feel very comfortable regardless of matchup, I guess is probably the way to phrase it, that can get to Phoenix. Uh, Henson, let's go to you first on this one. Um, I'm going to go UNC, Marquette, Arizona, Iowa State, and Tennessee. I'm going to go with those, those squads. These are teams that I think can make a, a run, can get to the Final Four, maybe not on championship tier, but – these are all teams with kind of high-powered offenses. They defend. They've got talent. They kind of fit the mold of a team that could go far in a tournament. Uh, specifically, like Iowa State, I, I don't think people would think that's a team that could get this far. But if you see how they're slowly just rolling through the Big 12, minding their business, and I think that's a team that people are going to have to watch out for. It's a team that you – it's like Rutgers. You don't want to play them. They defend. They're, they're, they're physical. And if you let them get rolling, they're going to blow you out of the gym. So teams like that are always dangerous come tournament time. Mm-hmm. Sweeney, give me your final four contenders. All of them. Every single one of them. Yeah. So I'll have Houston in there because I didn't have them as my, my number one or number or my top tier. Uh, Marquette, Arizona. Uh, I'll have Tennessee in there. And I'll also include Auburn, who I know we talked about on the show last night. But, you know, the only team in the country, top ten offense, top ten defense for Ken Palm, the balance. I mean, um, you know, the depth that they have is, is, is tremendous. And, look, I know that. I had some comments today. Yeah, did, did you know they can't play the national title at uh, Neville Arena? I said, yeah, I, I know. Uh, I, I just really believe that this team's upside is is, is Final Four type good. And, uh, you know, obviously we've seen it with Bruce Pearl teams in the past. I think this group reminds me a lot of that 2019 team that you know, very well could have won a national championship, you know, one bounce in their favor. So uh, of them, and then uh, I will add North Carolina to that too. I realized I didn't have them in originally. I will, I will include North Carolina. They had the recent swoon, but I think, Defensively, they're you know certainly improved, and um, you know the balance and role allocation they have is really special. I think everybody's bought into their roles, and that's that's so important in March. Yeah, Auburn is the only team in college basketball right now that is top ten in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. And the idea that people are just saying they can't do anything, they stink, they're only good in Neville Arena. Like, come on. You know, everybody struggles on the road in college basketball. Auburn is not immune from that. But they're the only team in college basketball, top 10 in offense and defense on Ken Palm. Ken Palm, there's a reason why he's got the reputation that he has. So, uh, yes, I'm putting Auburn as a Final Four contender. I'm putting Houston there as a Final Four contender. I'm putting Marquette as a Final Four contender. I think Arizona, and I made this point, was this was this Wednesday night with you, Sweeney? Maybe it was on the – you know what? It was on the, the DTF pod. With To and Fanta, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recycle the take, and I want you guys to to tell me if you think this is crazy. I feel like Arizona this year has a little bit of UConn last year to them, and Henson. What I mean by that is they looked great for basically the first six weeks of the season. Then one of the guys that is kind of like the glue to their team, Kai Boswell, goes through this stretch where he loses confidence. He's not playing well. You could very clearly see that Arizona was at their worst when Kai Boswell was at his worst, right? And then he's kind of figured it out. The last two weeks, he's kind of putting it back together. They had a three-overtime win at Utah on Thursday night, and then 48 hours later, going to Colorado and smack the Buffaloes. I kind of feel like this Arizona team can get back to what they were in November, and if they are what they were in November, that is a team that can win a national title. And, by the way, you know where the Final Four is, Henson? It's in Phoenix. You know who's going to show up in Phoenix? Arizona fans. Right. Yeah. Um, Arizona, that's a great comp. I mean, I love that comp because we were down on UConn. Can they win on the road? What's going on with them? And then they just picked up steam and rolled, literally rolled through the tournament. And Arizona still is that team that, I mean, I don't even know who was it. Was it me? We did a show, Rob, where they, we thought maybe Arizona could like go undefeated in the Pac-12. Like that's how good they look to us, right? Like that's peak Arizona. So if they get rolling, they're going to be tough to beat because they have the guard play, they have the size, they have the offensive firepower, and, and you're right. That that's a, that's a perfect confidence. They're like last year's UConn, and I, I wholeheartedly believe whoever's playing the best going into the tournament will win this championship because it's right now everything's just so inconsistent. It will be the team that's playing the best that will win. And Arizona, 
UConn, Purdue, these are Auburn. These are the teams that right now that look like they're about to start rolling and and and, and turning it up a little bit. And these are teams down the stretch that could uh, win it all. Six games. Yeah, you know what? And, and Arizona also has Kashad Johnson at the four, so we don't have to deal with Uzelis Tabellis, um, who was not the greatest defender playing alongside Umar Bala. That was what Princeton uh, exploited. So my final I, – I completely went off track. My final four tier, Houston, Marquette, Arizona, North Carolina, Kansas, and Auburn. Um, all right. Now, the next one is the second weekend teams, and, and just – uh, I guess we had a list of 16 teams. Um, I can kind of roll through the teams that we haven't picked yet. Sweeney, why don't you just give me your second your second weekend uh, threats? Yeah, so my group was Kansas, Illinois, Iowa State, uh, Kentucky, uh, and, and Alabama. Uh, I think with those teams, they're all, you know, for, for one reason or other, we thought at one point they could win a championship, but they all have one thing holding them back, right? So for Kentucky, that's the defense uh, for, for Alabama, I think it's the lack of an interior presence, the ability to get easy baskets if you know, you're struggling from beyond the arc. Uh, for, for Iowa State, I think it's just consistency outside of Tame and Lipsy offensively. Um, yeah, and for Kansas, it's the lack of depth. I mean, look, we've, we've talked about this a lot, uh, but, but with this Kansas team, you know, when you can't win on the road and you don't have options when a Kevin McCullough doesn't play great, like that scares me. And I just don't think this Kansas team – necessarily looks like the final four national title teams that they've had. When, when Bill Self has had elite teams, I think they've had the opportunity to go to their bench and go get, you know, you know think about last year's title team, or two years ago, title league, excuse me, with Remy Martin and the impact he made on the championship game, right? Like, they've always had multiple options. I just don't think this team has enough options to go win a championship this year. Yeah. Henson, you disagree with any of that? The only thing I switched was I, I did um... – and, you know, obviously they're top 10 in, in both offensives on Kim Palm, but I think Auburn's going to be a seeding-based elimination. If they can get to a, a top or a upper seed, they'll be fine. And then, I, you know, Kansas, Illinois, Kentucky, and Bama, I think it's just a seeding thing. You're going to have to see Purdue, UConn, the Houstons, the Marquettes. You're going to have to see them that weekend, maybe before, right? Like the one, the one seed plays the eight seed and then so on and so forth. So those are just my – seeding picks to lose the second weekend because they haven't done enough work to maybe be in a top a top of the line per se top four or five seed so you're going to see one of them boys within the next game or two probably game two or three and and those are the teams i, I could see in the second weekend uh going down so i agree with sweeney pretty much only thing I, only people i switched were um iowa state and auburn i switched them but for the most part we're we're on the same page that, that's one of the more worrying statements that you can make when you're talking about college basketball is I agree with Sweeney. Um, but I actually kind of agree with Sweeney here as well. Uh, I want to give you um, just some teams that I think are they're, – they're kind of projected in that top four to five seed range that I think are risks to lose in the first round. I'm going to put St. Mary's out there. I, I, I really love the dudes on that team. I love that group. Uh, we had a blast hanging out with them at WCC Media Day. I am just not ready to buy into beating a bunch of WCC teams by 40 and having that kind of skew the metrics to be able to sit here and buy them as not the team that we saw struggle with a lot of really good teams um, at the early part of the season. If I get proven wrong, I will be happy to be proven wrong. Uh, like I said, I like that group. Um, Alabama and Kentucky, for the reasons you just mentioned, I think are teams that could get picked off with the wrong matchup. We've seen teams that struggle defensively, <clears throat> Arizona, get picked off in the first round by mid-majors before, and I think that Alabama and Kentucky are the two teams in this conversation that struggle the most on the defensive end of the floor. And the last one that I'm going to put out there, and um, I don't know if you guys will agree with me. I'm very curious your take on this. I really do think that Duke could be in a situation where they get picked off. And the reason why I say that is – I'm kind of I'm worried about them if they find themselves in a position where they're down by like six midway through the second half, or you know when that you can feel that upset coming, the nerves start going, and the butterflies start going, and you start getting worried about it being your end of the season. Like I, I, we've we all know, I think everyone's seen what Chris Mack said, Henson, where he was basically like Duke doesn't have enough dogs on their roster. So I'm curious, both of you guys, Henson and Sweeney, am I crazy for thinking that Duke could be an upset victim in the first round of the NCAA tournament? I think you're on point. Um, 
And and then you you know if you look at how the brackets are shaping up, Duke's maybe a three or four seed. I mean, you gotta have to see like a Kentucky. You know, you're gonna have to see one of those teams early in the next round because Kentucky isn't doing the best either. Oh, then by the way, second weekend, you know, you're playing a number one seed or a number three or four. You know, so it's um it's gonna be a tough road for for teams like that, especially this year, because you have so many teams that are we don't know what they are. And, you know, there's so much variation. I mean, you look at like Illinois, like some days they look like a Final Four contender, and other days we're like, ah, never mind, you know. So these are the teams you just don't want to see early, and they're going to be all jumbled up together from four to seven, and it's going to be a fun time in the tournament. But that means someone's got to go home. Um, and then, oh, if you don't go home, you got to see one of the big boys the next game. So mm-hmm. that is, it's going to be a tough sledding, especially for the three to six seeds this year, being that there's such a separation from – the best teams to kind of the middle of the ground pack, you know, in, in the tournament. Sweeney? Look, the one thing I'll say with Duke, um, I, I know that we've criticized them for, you know, do they have enough toughness? Do they have this, do they have that? I think Jared McCain's a dog, right? Like, like if there if there's one dude on Duke that I want to go to war with, it's Jared McCain. That dude has been so competitive. He gets every loose ball. I don't care about the fingernails. That dude competes. He, he is involved in every big play, and I think I think if Duke is going to make a run, if they're going to prove Rob Doster wrong, I think a lot of the reason why will be because of Jeremy McCain's continued emergence for this Blue Devil team. I, I will tell Rob, you this. Rob, Rob, um, Rob, Rob, Rob. If, if, if we see, see Jeremy McCain, if I play and Jeremy McCain was singing on Instagram and all that stuff, man, <laughs> we, would, man we, we, have, we would have Reggie Bullock. We'd be like, look, man, put him, put him in a locker, man. We, this dude is not getting off on us. He's not going to get off with us. So, yeah, I can't I, – he's a good player. Don't get it twisted. But if he's a dog, man, what did Paul Pierce say? Like, what is he is – he, is, he, is he – what kind of dog is he? You know, is he a pit bull or is he a golden retriever? You know, we can't call everybody a dog. So, but uh, he's a good player. I will, good player. Hey, look, Henson, I don't care what you say. His version of that, like, two weeks into college, if you listen oh, to that and you tell me it didn't get stuck in your head, then you are lying okay. and we're going to call you out on being loud. I, I that thing was stuck in my head for, like, a week and a half. I listen, video three or four times. It's a good video. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I yeah, impressed. Yeah, credit him for that, man. Like, I can sing it right now. Two weeks into college and the three yeah. semesters <laughs> behind. Uh, listen, we got to get to a break. We got to get to pick them. We're going to be breaking down all of the games, the big games this weekend, coming up next, Field of 68. Now that the college football season is in the past and college basketball is in full swing, I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play, many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or in the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day. Users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build custom sports betting models within the Rhythm app itself. I am a Rhythm user, and I found that I've been a better better when I focus on the lines where my gut and Rhythm's modeling are aligned. To kick off the partnership between the Field of 68 and Rhythm, three people who download Rhythm at the link below and create an account between now and the end of the day on Thursday will be entered for a chance to win a free subscription with access to unlimited picks for college basketball, the NBA, the NFL, and more. So if you want to increase your edge and win more bets, go to the link in the description and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H. MM, the place for data-backed props and picks. Field of 68 After Dark, Rob Doster, John Henson, Kevin Sweeney. We're live, Sirius XM, Channel 84. We are live over on Stadium. Download the new app if you haven't yet. It's the best way to be able to stream all of the sports content that you want to be able to get. We're previewing the games of the weekend, guys. And look, I don't know why Dagan did this to me. We're not getting to Marquette UConn until the second segment. I think that's just because he wanted us to try to be able to keep people around because they know I want to talk about this Marquette UConn thing. Maybe he doesn't want me to go 17 minutes on Marquette UConn. Whatever it is, he's the producer. He's the boss. He gets to tell us what to do. We're going to start with Texas Tech 
at Iowa State. We don't have official lines yet, so we're going with the Kempom spreads and the Kempom totals. That game, Saturday noon, ESPN Plus, the Big 12 Network. Iowa State laying six points. The total there is 142. Henson, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to take the head. I'm, I'm with this game. Uh, I was rolling. They're playing well. Uh, uh, also, Burgers got them boys. You know, I think he's finally implemented his plan on how he wants his team and his program to be. And um, they're one of those quiet teams. They're top 10 and 19 and 5. They, they, they play a good brand of basketball that, I, like I said, man, I, I see them as the final four And, and uh, I think over the next few weeks, uh, you guys might agree with me, you know, when we come back to this conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to agree with you on Iowa State in this spot. Um, we talked about dogs, right? You know what Iowa State's got? They got rots. They got pities. They got boxers. <laughs> they yes. got dogs on that team. Yes. And uh, that's not to say that Texas Tech doesn't. I actually really, really enjoy this Texas Tech team. I, I think Grant McCaslin's a hell of a coach. But the road is the road in the Big 12 for a reason. Hinkle magic is Hinkle magic for a reason. And I think that Texas Tech goes on the road and, uh, and loses this one by double figures. Um, I do think that this total is going to go under, though. I, 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 would, I think my favorite bet in this game will be the under on the team total for Texas Tech. Uh, I just think that this is the kind of thing where um, Iowa State can kind of choke them out. And uh, we'll see how that ends up going. I've been on the worst cold streak of my life when it comes to betting, Henson. I, I, it's to the point where I got to, like, I had to delete the in my phone because it was like you know what rob maybe you need to call 1-800 gambler if you got a gambling problem make sure you do that sweeney what do you got so i'm not going to disagree with you hilton magic is a, is a real thing iowa state's awesome like the way that they defend the way that tame and lipsy's playing the one thing i will say is this if there's an upset it's because iowa state lets you take a lot of threes right like the one thing their defense will give up is they will let you take jump shots Texas Tech has Kerwin Walton, maybe the best shooter in the country. They have uh, Pop Isaacs, an elite shooter, Chance McMillan, another really, really good outside shooter. So they got three dudes who can really make shots. And, look, Iowa State's got that huge game on Monday against Houston. All the excitement about that. Do you lay a bit of an egg at home two days before against the Texas Tech team that you think they're going to beat if they're going to cruise through? I think Iowa State's going to find a way to win, but but don't be surprised if it's a little closer than you know, maybe people realize. Um, all right, so that's a sweep, which means that if you are going to open up the BetMGM app at home, you probably need to hammer Texas Tech plus six, and I would probably just take the Texas Tech money line because all of us mushes just guarantee Texas Tech is going to win this game. Hundred, yeah, no, nah, we're we're on. I, you know what? Those those games that look too easy. Sweet's right, man. We might need to <laughs> Bro, who, who are you telling, man? Wonder know why I had to delete the BetMGM app. It was because South Carolina plus 11 and a half. I couldn't stay away from it. They lost by fucking 40. <laughs> they lost by 40. So I, I, saw, I saw Miami underdog at Clemson like a plus 250, and the South Carolina was like plus 450. I bet on this. I mean, South Carolina and Miami aren't that bad, and they both got smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Texas A&M at Alabama. We'll actually be at this game. We're doing the doubleheader in Alabama. The uh, I guess, what is it, the Alabama Tour, I guess? We're going to be at Texas A&M, Alabama uh, on at noon on Saturday, and then we're going to be at Auburn and Kentucky at 6 o'clock. We're doing the show from uh, from from Auburn um, after that game, which should be a blast. There's a chance that we could have uh, – a donate $100 to charity, throw a pie at Jeff Goodman contest going on. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we're trying to peer pressure him into it. Uh, I would appreciate if you guys could kind of help me out with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, Henson's very intrigued right now. He might jump on the PJ and head down to Auburn to join us. What do you got? Texas A&M at Alabama, the Ken Palm line, Alabama minus 10, over under 160. Henson, go ahead. Who I hate that line because we don't even is what we in the boys call sketchy when we talk about gambling. Alabama. Um, yeah, I, I like Alabama to win. I don't know about covering. Uh, that's a lot of points. A&M is somewhat desperate, and they've got the guard play and the offensive firepower to to keep up with Alabama. And as we know, Alabama doesn't defend a soul. So that's a lot of points to lay at Alabama, which we've seen they're you know beatable and you know keep games closer than they should. Hence is why they're kind of falling in the rankings. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Alabama to win, but I, I like I like A&M with the points. Um, yeah, so the, the hard part with betting 
Texas A&M games is Wade Taylor, right? When Wade Taylor decides that he's going to show up and go for 45, he could do it in a single half. And then all of a sudden your best just blow up. Uh, and if he decides it's one of those games where he's going to have like a 0 for 12 half, then you don't want to be anywhere near. You're going to, you, you will be like South Carolina at Auburn when uh, backing South Carolina in that spot. I, I'm so mad at Lamont Paris. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Alabama here. Cause I think that this is a big road game for him. It is a chance to be able to uh, secure a one game lead um, in the SEC uh, regular season title race. So I'll be on the tide. And that's not just because I am going to the, uh, the arena and I'm trying to curry favor with the, the Crimson Tide faithful. So um, I, I would never do such a thing. Sweeney, who you got? At first, my take is that Doster, it was probably a mistake to, to try to do a doubleheader in Alabama when the first game is Texas A&M. Those things take like three hours, so uh, best <laughs> of luck. You might be you might be speeding down the highway to make sure you get to Auburn in time. Uh, look, I think Alabama is just so explosive that you know it, it feels like a lot of points, but like they're the type of team that can score 10 points in 90 seconds and just, just blitz you. And so I think at home, this Alabama team's ability to score and, and just fly up and down, Like I, I think they'll find a way to – to win this one handily and and continue their march towards an SEC championship. All right, let's roll through these a little bit quicker before Dagan stops yelling at me um, in my ear. Wake Forest at Virginia. Virginia minus one. Henson, this game, again, noon. It's going to be a great noon window on Saturday. Who you got? Um, I'm taking Virginia. One, minus, you know, one point against Wake Forest team who, you know, not very good on the road. But give me, give me, give me for UVA, a surging UVA that uh you know what I, I am supposed to take virginia here because uh these picks were not made by me they were selected by somebody else and dagan already made the graphics um so virginia is going to be my official pick i'm just going to say that if you were a team that hypothetically could make a whole bunch of jump shots the way that you beat the pack line defense is to have guys that can make a whole bunch of jump shots and it really helps if you have a guy that can make a whole bunch of jump shots if he can create it in isolation sweeney what do you got like, I feel like an idiot for picking against Virginia uh, days after they lost at home to Pittsburgh. But Wake is just so talented and you know, blew them out already once this year. I think Wake finds a way to go get that signature win on the road. Yep. See, Sweeney, the key is to be able to to make the pick on both sides. So no matter what happens, you can claim a victory. Right now, you see Virginia under my name, and I kind of hinted that I like the West the, the the Wake Forest side there. Uh, last one we got today: Creighton minus one at Butler. That is a twelve thirty game. Um, the last time that these two played, guys, uh, it was 99-88 in Omaha in a game that had 73 possessions. Fun fact, it was the single worst defensive performance by a points-per-possession perspective that we've seen from any team this season in a win. That was Butler uh, against Creighton. They won in Omaha. What do you got here? Is Creighton minus one in Indianapolis, Henson? The line scares me because why they're minus one, it should be higher. But uh, I'm going to go Creighton. I've always been a favorite guy. Um I'm gonna ride with the favorites. I don't see Butler getting this done in the Shireman triple double too. He's probably feeling feeling himself a little bit too. He's he, he's gonna play well this game too. Mm -hmm. uh, I um, I tend to uh, to agree with the sentiment, but I'm not gonna stay away from uh, from Butler playing at home in Hinkle Fieldhouse, Hilton Fieldhouse, Hinkle, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah, I always get Hinkle Fieldhouse and Hilton Coliseum confused. And I think now that I think back at it, I think I said the wrong thing for Iowa State earlier. But give me the Bulldogs at home, baby. This is a good team. They are not getting enough respect for how good they've been. They won at Marquette. They won at Creighton this year. And now they get a home game against Creighton as a team that is kind of sitting there in like the 9-10 range. They want to get off that line. They want to get up to like a 7 seed. I think they're going to find a way to do it. I think they find a way to win this game. Sweeney. What do you got? Be the tiebreaker. Man, I, I guess I'm going to take Creighton here just because I think the energy that they will have on the road coming off of that embarrassing performance at home when they got you know roasted defensively, I just think there will be a, a different level of intensity and Creighton finds a way to go win at, at, at Hinkle. Excuse me, you're screwing me up now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard, man. Like once it gets in your head, you're never going to be able to get it right now. I just ruined it for you. You're never going to be able to get it right. Listen, uh, that's going to be one of the better Big East games of the weekend. When we come back, we're going to talk about the best Big East game of the weekend. Marquette at UConn, top five showdown. You guys know who I'm going to be on. Big news, guys. <laughs> I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive 
rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back, Field of 68 After Dark Series XM Channel 84. We're live over on the stadium app. We are streaming on YouTube. Rob Dosser, John Henson, Kevin Sweeney. Guys, I'm not even going to waste time with this intro. Marquette at UConn, the best game of the weekend and the game that I think I'm more fired up for than any game that we've seen so far this season, save for like the first game of the year. Henson, who you got? Minus seven, UConn. Be very careful. Ooh. Tread carefully here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go UConn minus seven. I gotta hey, listen, like I did the tournament last year, they won me a lot of money. I'm riding with them till the wheels fall off. Until until they show me different, this is the team to beat. Marquette on the road. UConn's gonna finally get a little challenge as well. They'll be fired up for them too as well. And and, and this this game has, you know, stakes for top of the biggie stakes as well. I got UConn coming in, finally motivated and and, and giving them everything they want. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I am realizing now that these picks that were uh, made in absentia for me uh, do not have UConn covering the seven points in this game, uh, which is uh, which kind of sucks, man. But honestly, I do think that the the Marquette side is the one that you probably want to be on that feels like a lot of points for a game that I kind of think is going to go down and end up being a one possession game. Um, I also, for the record, would be very surprised to see this actually open at seven, once Ben MGM actually puts out the line, I think it'll probably be closer to like four and a half or so. So if you can get Marquette plus seven, that's probably what the betters would say. But I do think that, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of storylines at play here and a lot of matchups that are really interesting. And if you want to hear a 35-minute conversation with me and Jarrell McNeil breaking down every single facet of this game, it's on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. Sweeney, who you got? Yeah, look, I, I think the matchup is challenging for UConn because of what Oso can do and, and pulling guys away from the rim and distributing. And obviously, Kolich has been playing great. But uh, I'm not betting against UConn at least to win on their home court. Like, I, I just think they're going to be too locked in, too energized, um, too psycho. Uh, like, I, I just think they're going to be locked in and, and they're going to find a way to win this game. But I think it will be competitive. I think it's a 40-minute fight. It's going to be one of the best games of the year in college basketball. Look at this screenshot right now. I am so mad about this screenshot right now. This screenshot is <laughs> unbelievable. You know how often I'm going to fucking see this screenshot? Ugh, you guys are killing me. All right, Kansas at <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma minus one. Henson, we can get Kansas as an underdog in this spot. You like them on the road here? I, I hate it. I don't know if McCullough is going to be healthy. I, I kind of – this is, uh, you know, depending on his injury status. But without him, Kansas – of the team they are the intensity is not there defense isn't there offensively they build self strong guys in hoping and praying that they give some type of contribution it's too late in the game for that um i'm taking a oklahoma a desperate oklahoma at that um to get this one especially a minus one um at the crib i'm i'm so i'm so upset about this still i, I just i got i got a couple texts from people i had Tweets from people. I have mentions from people. I, I'm being thrown to the wolves here. Uh, I'm being undercut. Um, I hear what you're saying about Kansas, and I think I tend to agree in this spot. If you can give me and guarantee that we're going to have a healthy McCullough and the Dewan Harris isn't dealing with that that bum ankle, I think that the side that you probably want to be on is Kansas getting points on the road. But there's just no way that you can know that. And and given the fact that that 
the uh, that McCuller missed the last game, and Harris was very clearly not DeWan Harris in the last game. I think it's very hard to take Kansas here. Um, Sweeney, what do you got? Look, this is Kansas's best chance to get a road win the rest of the way. If you look at their schedule, their other two road tests are doozies. So they better win this game on the road. That being said, <laughs> I'm thinking Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the wing athletes, the toughness, the defense that the Porter Mosier has, has instilled. And I think, look, that atmosphere at, at their place isn't always great, but I think for a Saturday afternoon against Kansas, I think, I think Lloyd Noble Center should be rocking. I think, I think Norman you know, shows up and Oklahoma gets a big win. Uh, looks like that's a sweep. Again, a sign that you want to take your entire account, everything you got on the BetMGM app, and just put it on Kansas plus money when that line comes out. Just that That's a, the lock of the century right there. All right, Utah State at Colorado State, um, which is – uh, one of the most intriguing games that we're going to see on uh, on Saturday, Utah State has a chance to uh, keep a first-place lead on the road in one of their toughest wrong games um, in the Mountain West, which has been such a fun conference this year. Uh, Henson, what do you got? Colorado State minus three in this spot. I'm tired. No, I'm tired. I, had to pick, I picked a dog later, but we took it off. But uh, I'm going to – I'm Colorado State. They've kind of been meddling a little bit, trying to get. Um, we kind of forgot about them almost, right? Like this is the thing we were talking about that was going to run their conference. So this is a get-right spot for them. We're back on the map, kind of moment for them, and I think they are going to be ultra prepared at home for a Utah State team that, you know, right now people like a lot. A lot more people like over the, uh, you know, over Colorado State. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Utah State in this spot. We're, we're talking about a team that's got a chance to uh, maintain a lead in the Mountain West regular season title. I think you mentioned it um, last night. Danny Sprinkle has done as good of a job as anybody in the sport of college basketball when it comes to their coaching performance this year. I think that that continues. I also just – I like the matchup a little bit, right? Like we um, – the Car uh, Cartier, right? Cartier hurt his ankle against uh against san diego state on saturday um and that's going to be a problem when you have to deal with great osibor and i do think that darius brown can do a job on isaiah stevens so i'll go with utah state on the road plus three sweeney i think everybody in the united states of america knows where you are going with this pick yeah give me the ramps man i mean look it's an important game for them at home <laughs> gotta protect it um i just think when you have isaiah stevens one of the best point guards in the country and you have a game that you feel like you have to win to, to keep pace in the Mountain West standings, you find a way to win that game, and I think he will send the victory on Saturday. All right, last one we got for the night. The last game that I will be at tomorrow, the second half of a doubleheader, Kentucky at Auburn. Right now, Ken Palm has that line at Auburn minus 10. Henson, double-digit points you could be getting for Kentucky. On the road, though, at Auburn, I don't know. What do we got here? I legit hate betting Kentucky games because there's so much variation of what you're going to get with them. I'm going to probably take the over. I'm going to leave the points alone. I'm going to take the over. Power to keep it close, but also Auburn has a firepower to knock, to knock them back to Lexington, right? So I'm going to stay away. I'm taking the points, and I'm going to be tuned in because it's going to be probably one of the best environments, high-powered, high-octane games. I mean, it's going to be like – it's. Gonna be like watching the NBDs they're going to be playing. So I'm excited to watch that one, but I'm definitely going to hammer that over at 164 or whenever, you know, whatever settles that. Yeah, I think the key to this matchup is going to end up being uh, Yugana Onyesu at the five spot and his defensive ability because I think the one thing you can say about Auburn is they have one of the best front lines in all of college basketball, Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. But I'm going to go ahead and say that front line takes advantage of what Kentucky has. Their guards eat up Kentucky's guards uh, and give me Auburn laying the 10. That's a lot of points, but I think that they end up winning by like 15 or 20. What what did, what did everybody tell you? In Neville Arena, Sweeney, that's where Auburn is a Final Four team. Where are they playing this game? Do you remember? That Neville. And the students are already camping out. I mean, it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. Look, I don't know that I would bet again. I don't know if I would bet on T.O. Charlotte Hornets against uh, Auburn at this <laughs> place right now. Like, the, the way that they are playing at home is unbelievable. So, Look, I think Kentucky will be ready. I think their guards will come out and hit shots. I just don't know that they can deal with the Auburn onslaught that I think is coming. I think Auburn wins this one going away. 
Yep. Henson, toast of the, of the night. You got about 20 seconds here. What do you got? I mean, I'm going to have to – it's maybe cliche. We haven't talked about it, but let's, let's, let's go Caden Clark. I mean, the best bucket getter ever in women's college basketball? Mm-hmm. I can't go anywhere else. I can't. It's not even close. I think it's a clean sweep. I'm going to go ahead and give this toast to you. The, my favorite thing about the moment, the thing that I think was the coolest part about it, is that the three that she hit to set the record was a horrible shot in transition from about 32 feet on like a wing, and she just fucking banged it. I am, I'm such a Caitlin Clark fan. She's so much fun to watch. Sweeney, she kind of reminds me of uh, the Jimmermania, right? But like over four years. Every, every time she shoots a shot, you think it's going in. It doesn't matter. As you said, I mean, that, that was a bad shot, but there's no bad shots with Caitlin Clark. Yeah, it's a horrible shot. There's no bad shots with Caitlin Clark. You got to love it. Listen, this has been the Field of 68 After Dark. You can catch us over on Stadium and the Stadium app right now.